We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Choose your fighter. The Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. How, how many makers and cokes have you had? We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, into another episode of the Music City Audible, presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver. Joining me, as always, is Justin Mello. We have a great show for you today, in my opinion. I mean, I think all of our shows are great, but I think this one's great because we got to speak with the father of Elijah Molden, Titans third-round draft pick, Alex Molden, today. Gave us some perspective on Elijah growing up around football and what he thinks about his fit with the Titans. So we'll get into that. We got lots of stuff to discuss when it comes to the Julio Jones rumors because those are just continuing to swirl. And we'll talk a little bit about OTAs, which opened on Thursday. Justin, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. Excited to get into this episode. A great conversation that we had uh, with Alex Molden, right? Former NFL DB, who happens to be Elijah Molden's father. So excited to get into that but also excited to talk about uh, what's happening in Titans land these days. That's right. So let's start it off with a little bit of news like we usually do. The Titans have signed another player, an offensive lineman, Christian Delaro. Who's this guy? Why'd they sign him? I don't know. <laughs> Why did they sign him? I mean, it's probably a camp body. <laughs> Definitely a camp body. Yeah, not going not gonna to lie. A guy that was signed as a UDFA at the conclusion of the 2018 draft has spent time on, on various uh, practice squads and, and futures contracts, the Steelers, the Browns, the 49ers, I believe the Texans as well. So yep. he's been around a little bit, uh, played as college football, uh, you know, started, I think, 31 straight and 38 overall uh, career starts uh, uh, that, that he had in college. So a guy that's played multiple positions, tackle guard, he'll come in, he'll be a count body. Uh, probably a long shot to make the roster, of course, but uh, you know he'll he'll be there and re- uh, ready to compete, and he can play multiple spots, which which you like to have in training camp. It's a deep group, the O line group, so it'll be I think tough for him to carve out a role for himself. But yeah, the fact that he can play inside and out will give him a better leg up. But that's it for news. We got Titans OTA started today, and I think the big story out of these practices here is that. A lot of the veteran players did not show up. Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, most of the big-name players Kevin did Byer, not show Roger up. Roger Saffold, we can go on and on. Now, these are these are not required. They're not mandatory. Mike Vrabel said after practice on Thursday that he took time off during voluntary OTAs himself, and he respects the guys that are doing it. I'm curious what you think. There's been so much made by the NFLPA about the importance of OTAs and and trying to get players to boycott or skip them. I'm curious what you think about veterans missing OTAs. No, I think the most interesting thing um, that and Vrabel said, as you've mentioned, Vrabel said he used to skip. You know, he skipped this a couple times. So how can he now blame anyone? Right? He he knows what it's like, and I think that's part of the reason. You know, these players like him, and he he gets it. Right? He skipped it, so he can't make it a big deal. Right? It would make him a bit of a hypocrite. Um, I don't think it's a big deal at all. I think there's absolutely almost nothing to gain from Ryan Tannehill being there, from Derrick Henry being there, from Roger Saffold being, I mean, these guys, they don't need it. Let's be honest. They don't need it. Right. I mean, Derrick Henry, has Derrick Henry ever been there? Hasn't exactly heard him. Right. We've, we've seen, I remember early on when he used to train away from the facility. I know like he, you got something to say. Yeah. He, he, I think he missed 
I think he was there the last couple years. It was Malarkey's last year, I think, that he was like going back to Alabama to get his degree. Yeah. And people made and a huge deal about that at the time. That's what I was that's what I was remembering and I want to touch on. Derrick Henry should be there. He's training with him. It hasn't hurt Derrick Henry. Have you seen what he's done right in the NFL? So who cares? Derrick Henry's not there. I'm gonna say I trust Derrick Henry's training regimen. Whatever it is, keep it up. Don't change it. <laughs> so do what you do. I, I don't think it's a big deal at all. I, I really don't. I think the most important thing here is that the young guys are there. The people who have something to gain, the people who are still learning, they need to be there. And they are guys like, you know, Darrington Evans, who's there's been a lot of talk about him on Twitter today because, he you know, he worked with Coach Rob Moore, the receivers coach, lined up there a little bit. Vrabel talked about that. Guys like Kristen Fulton who talked about how much more comfortable he is going into year two, knows there's a spot at cornerback, a starting job up for grabs. He's ready to compete. These are the guys that need this time. The UDFAs, last year's rookie class, even maybe year three players. You know, TR Tart is there, for example, a guy who has a chance to compete for a bigger role. These are the guys that need to be there in May. Roger Saffold doesn't need to be there. Ben Jones doesn't need to be there. It is not a big deal. It is not worth talking about. Don't waste your breath on these veteran guys who are missing this optional team activities in may exactly there's a mandatory mini camp coming up in the in june mid-june that i that is not voluntary that we would expect basically all these players to be at who who aren't working back from some kind of injury so that's the time to get alarmed these otas are to get these younger players ready for the mini camp and for training camp so that when they show up to the first day of training camp they can go through the drills at full speed they can go through the walkthroughs at whatever speed walkthroughs go through at, not full speed, but so that there's not stoppages and time to taking time to explain to guys how to do everything. So the younger players need to be there now, learn how to be in the practice and and do everything that coaches are going to ask them to do so that when they're there with all the veterans in, in mini camp and in training camp, they can execute practice efficiently. That's the whole purpose of OTAs right now. So I totally agree. There's no problem with these veterans missing. The One of the reasons you see a guy like Darrington Evans work out at wide receiver is because there's not a whole lot for running backs to do in a non-contact practice. They're, they can't do all that much just running running back drills. So why not get in some extra work at wide receiver? I think that's honestly the same thing that Travis Etienne was doing down in Jacksonville, and everyone made a huge deal about it. Like they spent a first-round pick on a running back, and they're lining him up at wide receiver. But I think it's kind of just like a meme to make fun of Urban Meyer at this point. So we'll continue to do that as Titans, as a Titans podcast. <laughs> but yeah, at the end of the day, like that's a totally normal thing for a running back to do. Go take snaps at wide receiver during OTAs, especially a guy like Darrington Evans that you hope to use in the passing game. So bottom line, veterans can skip OTAs. That's why they're optional. This is, this is the group. The guys who missed OTAs on for the Titans today or Thursday, we're recording this on Thursday. This is the group that the NFLPA was like trying to make a big fuss about for was these veterans that don't need OTAs. The whole problem with what the NFLPA is doing is that they're also taking away the younger player. They're trying at least to take away the younger player's opportunity to go to OTAs to get better, which they really need, especially guys like you, all the guys you mentioned. I mean, anyone who's young, this is the time when you actually get better at football, because once training camp rolls around, you're learning the system, you're trying to get into the offense or the defense or special teams, whatever whatever role you play, you don't have time to actually work on your individual skill set. That's happening right now. It's something that we didn't see at all last year because of COVID. So whatever, we don't need, like you said, Roger Saffold, Derrick Henry, these guys know the offense. They know how to run a Titans practice. They're veterans. They, they know what to do. 
They don't need to be there. I think we're going on and on about the same point now. So unless you have anything else to say, let's talk about Julio Jones. No, I mean, I, I think we both are in full agreement here. Darrington Evans needs to be there. Christian Fulton needs to be there, yada, yada. And they're there. And I love seeing Evans work at receiver today, by the way. We know, you know, this isn't going to be a position change, but this guy's got a dynamic skill set. He's special with the ball in his hands. We didn't really get to see it as a rookie due to injury, of course. But, you know, how shorthanded the Titans are at receiver right now, and I know we're going to get to Julio in a second, but as shorthanded as they are, and when you have a running back like Derrick Henry, there's not going to be a ton of opportunity, right, for Evans to carry the ball. But he's special. He's dynamic. He's elusive. Get the ball in his hands. Throw him the football. Let him make something happen after the catch. So I love to see him working there today. And and two guys who were not there on the field were Caleb Farley and Elijah Molden, who we know are both working back from injuries. Obviously, Farley's got the back surgery, and Elijah Molden. We don't really know what his injury is, but we're we're pretty confident it's nothing major nothing to panic about or, or worry about. So that'll do it for our OTA talk on this episode. We might talk more about it next week. Who knows? Depends on what news comes out. But until then, I think the main storyline we're going to talk about almost every week is this Julio Jones trade rumors and reports because we have new information as of Thursday via Diana Russini, who says that the Titans are, quotes a long shot to land Julio, but that they have reached out, that there is interest the Falcons reportedly have a future first-round pick on the table from some team, and they're waiting either until June 1st. They have to trade after June 1st, so it'll be June 2nd is when the trade would process, by the way, which is next Wednesday. Um, so we don't know if this future first is a 2022 first, a 2023 first, if it's real, or if it's the Falcons trying to drum up a bidding market a week out from when, less than a week out from the date they're trying to move Julio Jones. In other news, Steve Weish says he thinks this could drag on through training camp or into training camp because what's the rush? The Falcons aren't in a rush to trade Julio unless they need to clear cap space to sign their rookies. Teams wouldn't shouldn't be in a rush to acquire Julio. The Falcons may want to wait until somebody, God forbid, gets injured in a training camp and suddenly a team that we think has great wide receiver depth needs a wide receiver like Julio Jones. So Personally, and I made this comparison last week to the Clowney saga of 2020, I oh, think we're going to have a Julio Jones saga that we're talking about all summer long. I know the report from Diana Rossini today was that a trade could be done within the next week. But, you know, we also heard in June of last year that Clowney was getting ready to sign, and it still took until September for him to sign. So I think this Julio Jones thing is going to drag on for a while. We don't disagree enough on this show, and I'm happy I get to disagree with you on this topic. And we'll see which one of us is right, and, and we'll have some fun with it. Uh, no, no, I disagree, and I'm not just doing it for the sake of it. I do think something gets done soon. I think there's too much smoke right now. There's, you know, Where there's smoke, there's fire, right? That's the old saying. I do think something gets done early June. Uh, I'd, be I'd be actually really surprised if this drags on uh, past the first week or two of June. I think they've got their offers on the table. They're going to look at it. Look, he went on public television, whether he knew about it or not. He said he wants out. I, I don't think this is going to take long. Everyone knows it's going to happen. Everybody knows it's coming. Uh, I think this gets done quickly. Yeah, let's roll the Shannon Sharp clip if, in case anyone missed it. Can you hear me? I got you. This is your favorite uncle. What's going on, bro? Man, nothing much. Try to go meet up with my brother. What's happening with you? Man, look, you want to go to the Cowboys, Julio, or you want to stay in Atlanta? <laughs> oh man, nah, I'm out of there, man. You He's out? out. Of He's out of there. Oh, Are you going to? <laughs> Ideally, where would you like to go? Uh, right now, I'm just. See, I want to win. Okay. Well, don't go to Dallas. 
If you go to, you ain't winning in Dallas, Julio. Nah, I, you already, man, listen, come on, man. You already know I know. Okay. <laughs> you, you remind him we're know. on television Ask right me why we wore the Dallas. Listen, listen, you know how people is, man, with all that going right. on with the, the picture? Yeah. yeah. And all that stuff like that. Okay. Man, I ain't never been on that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That's good enough. Yeah. Julio. I'll talk to you later. Thanks for calling me back. We on air, but I appreciate you calling me, dog. You know I know my nephew was gonna pick up. Oh yeah, nah, nah, yeah. I ain't, I ain't going, I ain't going to Dallas, man. I never thought about going to Dallas. Okay, I appreciate that, bro. Enjoy the rest of your day. Okay, I think that he knew he was on television because if he didn't. There's a lot of legal ramifications here. Number one, California's wiretap law says that you have to inform someone if you're recording a phone call. That's just a basic one. Number two, like, this is a TV show. There's no way the right. producers and the legal team and everyone just said, oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Shannon. Call up Julio. Oh, it's fine. The don't legalities him, yeah, don't matter. On. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, like. And then the reaction after Shannon says, we're live on air, and Julio just, like, doubles back down. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm out of there, man. Like, he doesn't even react to finding out he's live on air. Maybe there's a situation where, like, Julio didn't know he was going to be on yet, and he was like, he thought this was, like, the pre-show little banter call, and then suddenly it's like, you know, you're actually already on air, because it was very unconventional in terms of, like, how they dialed him up like he just pulled out his phone and put him on speakerphone it wasn't like now we have julio jones dialing into the show like you see on a lot of these talk shows but it's it's crazy to me if he didn't know i mean that's that's just there's no world that he didn't know they maybe maybe uh, they I made agree. it one i think they wanted to seem like he maybe didn't know so that we'd keep talking about it for weeks and, and days and like it is working um, and like every report, every written report I've seen that, that references this appearance puts in parentheses, like, which he may or may not have known was live on TV. It's like, we got to stop saying that because yeah, he knew. I, not, not to cut you off, but I do find it interesting. And one thing, you know, as I operate in the sometimes in the world of NFL agents, uh, uh, he signed the CAA. I mean, CAA is as big as it gets. Obviously, I don't got to tell even if you're listening to this, you probably know that even if outside of football, right? Hollywood, yada, yada, they're as big as they come. Um, an agent from another company, uh, Athletes First, was also it was a massive company, probably uh, the biggest in the NFL right now. He tweeted out that I thought it was interesting because you think he'd have some insight into it, maybe. He tweeted out, this is why I don't let any of my clients go on this show. So he seemed to have the impression that they, Julio wasn't aware that he was live. So I, I thought that was really interesting that an, another agent said that uh, from a different co from a massive company being Athletes First, you know, who has Deshaun Watson and everyone and you know pretty much everybody uh a lot of big clients there but uh, th i thought that was interesting because you would think we all agree that uh he knows but then you got this really big agent saying oh this is why i don't let my guys go on this show because it seemingly didn't shock him i got another clip to play this isn't this isn't julio on on skip on the this show is better this is way better uh, if you missed this, I'm sorry for you. AJ Brown posted this video to TikTok. He then shared it on Instagram and Twitter. It was also posted on the Titans subreddit. So if you missed it, you're you're living under a rock. But it's so good that I'm just going to play the audio again anyway. Julio! That's what they're going to say when you make a catch. When you make a touchdown. They don't even do that for me. Just hear me out. Just hear me out. And look what I'm wearing. Your first Titan jersey. I haven't even been released yet. Okay, I'm gonna sell you on some things right here. Listen to me closely. 
You have Tannehill, Mr. Finger Roll himself, every time, Air Hill. Listen, he does what he needs to be done. Like, he's a leader. He's a great passer. He's it. Anyway, next. Him, behind me, superhuman. We don't even have to discuss him. He speaks for himself. Look how mean he look in the picture. Like, okay. Then me, I'm up and coming. Pro Bowl, year two. Not a big deal. Kind of a big deal, but not really. Okay, scratch that. Anyway, whatever. You, the GOAT of our era, the, of our receivers. Help me help you. Come home, Julio. Come home. Just the best video ever, maybe. I don't know. One of my favorites of all time. <laughs> Just fantastic. And you know what? I, I love to see how much A.J. Brown is, uh, it, how he's leading this campaign. Because you know what? It would be easy for, let's be honest, man. A lot of NFL players got egos. A lot of them are divas, especially at the receiver position. It would be really easy for him to be like, you know, screw that. You know, I don't want to play with Julio Jones. I want my targets. I want my catches. I want my yards. You know, but here he is literally leading the campaign for the Titans to acquire Julio Jones. Of course, it's his childhood hero, it seems like, right? It was the receiver he looked up to. I remember when the Titans played Atlanta uh, two years ago, how excited he was to go into that game to get that jersey swap. And he he balled out in that game, if you'll remember. I think two first-quarter touchdowns that were terrific, uh, toe taps, straight passes. Well, well, right. Yeah, it was two first-quarter touchdowns, yeah, right. I think it was, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, the long yeah. one in the corner of the end zone. Yeah, so... He's always loved Julio Jones. He's always looked up to him. We saw on Instagram, I mean, he sent them a message before the draft saying, I'm an up and coming receiver, which Julio didn't respond to, right? So, so don't feel bad if you're, if you're in some Twitter DMs and you're not getting answers because it happens to the best of us, apparently. But um, I, I just love to see the team first attitude, you know, not, not much to say here. But it again, it would be really easy for him not to want to play next to another receiver like that, man. These guys, these guys want their catches, you know. Ask Tyree Kill if he wants Julio. Ask. You never know. You know, there are a lot of guys in the league that they may not say it publicly, but they don't want to play next to guys like that, especially when they're coming up on contract years like A.J. Brown is not too far away from. So you love to see him leading this campaign. Yeah. And I don't know if it has any bearing. In fact, I'd say it doesn't have any bearing on whether or not the Titans will actually go get Julio. This isn't a free agency pitch. You know, it's not like Julio gets to choose his team, although the report was he has this was from Chris Sims that he has interest in the Patriots and the Titans. And you would think that the Falcons might be receptive to who Julio wants to play for, assuming the compensation offers are equal all around from all those teams. Like, they probably would oblige him. They probably would prefer to send him to the AFC, where the they don't have to play nearly as often and might not have to play these teams at all, you know, over the span of the rest of Julio's career, depending on how much more he has in the tank. So, yeah, I do think that the interest in the Titans is cool. It's great to see AJ Brown recruiting, but ultimately does it affect where Julio lands? Do you think I probably would say no. You know, one thing I'll say that I wanted to mention that I didn't get a chance to yet. Cause we, we were, we were going on about this is the Diana Rossini report. Um, I, I want to say is the first legitimate source in my opinion that connects the Titans to this. I know Chris Sims said, I think Chris Sims said the Titans were one of his preferred landing spots or something like that, but it, it didn't mean A, that the Titans show an interest, and B, truthfully, I take what Chris Sims says with a grain of salt, uh, but this right here, I mean... Especially it, after the, the whole Mac Jones thing, where he was so confident. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I'm never gonna, you know, take what Chris Sims says as gospel, right? Truth be hook told, but, Yeah, oh, sure, hook him, but Diana Rossini <laughs> coming out and, and, and saying that they have had conversations, 
I mean, I know it's not huge news, but it is the first confirmation that we've had legitimate report that the Titans have thought about it. And they have had that conversation. Of course, she goes on to call them a long shot. That's not great, right? If you're a Titans fan that wants them to acquire Julio Jones, uh, which I am, by the way, I absolutely think they should acquire Julio Jones, even for a second round pick in 2022. Uh, but 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 it's a significant report is really what I'm what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, and let's talk about that compensation because that was where I was going to go next. Is this rumor that they have a first round pick on the table? Is that too steep of a price to pay for Julio Jones? Yes. Yes. No yeah, matter his- what. 2022 or 2023? Does it matter? No, they're all first round picks. I don't. Okay. I don't think it really matters. In that grand scheme of things, 2022, 2023, I don't think it matters. Um, I, well, you know, with the age, the injury, the, the money, I, I think a first-round pick is, is pretty steep. Like if the tight, I'll say this. The Titans miss out on him, and it's because another team gets him for a first-round pick. I will not be disappointed. But if I'll another feel a team lot better him, about it. Yeah. Right. If another team gets him and it's for a second or a third, or a third and a player or, you know, whatever – that would be a little disappointing for me that they maybe weren't willing to pay that price. There was a rumor that is, I mean, this is a Twitter account that I would say is as valid as inked up Seahawks Shane last year with the whole clowny thing, but that said that the Titans had an offer on the table that was a second round pick and a defensive starter. And I honestly think Josh Hong of Broadway Sports at Titans Tape may be the source of this rumor because that's what he's been putting all over social media is the Titans should trade Rashawn Evans in a second rounder for Julio. But, um, that would Teron be phenomenal. Davin- <laughs> that would be. And Teron Davenport put out an article and where he said that he thought a fair trade would be a third-round pick and Rashawn Evans, so right along the same lines. I think, you know, the the idea that what the Colts did with Carson Wentz, where you have a pick that could convert to a higher pick if Julio plays a certain number of snaps or if he puts up a certain stat line or if he makes the Pro Bowl or something like that where the, the pick is contingent on something happening where it could go from like a third to a second or a fourth to a third or something like that. That seems like the perfect scenario to me. But I think at the end of the day, the market must not be as hot as the Falcons want it to be, or else they wouldn't be using their team website to put out reports that they have a first round pick on the table. Like that just seems. I have never seen anything like that. (laughs) I know it is. I mean, that is. But the Fal- let's be honest, the Falcons are a bit strange, right? Remember, this is I mean, the same, you, you know what I'm about yeah. to say when they announced yeah, go for it. they go weren't for going it. to re-sign Vic Beasley. That was still one of my all-time favorite social media things that I've ever seen in a professional sports team do. So, I, I mean, they obviously operate in a bit of a weird space, um, but the, the, really strange, right, for them to say that. I mean, you can go to – I mean, I'm on it right now. Atlanta Falcons report. Falcons have first round pick offer for Julio Jones and ESPN's Diana Rossini reports the foul. I love how the reports coming from someone else, right? But they published it on their own website. I know ESPN's, it's this is the, the, the headline ESPN's Diana Rossini reports that the Falcons have a first round pick in the 2022 draft, by the way, it says mm. uh, in return for Julio Jones. So uh, it's hilarious. It's an article that we would write, right. For, for a site. So for the official team site to do that, uh, it's incredibly strange, but I'm here for it. I love it. And there is another report that the Patriots have already got a deal done. Hang on. I want to cite this one. I don't even know if that's I worth want... talking about, man. We don't even know who that is, do we? Yeah, we don't know who this guy is. He's a total nobody. And like I said, you know, inked up Seahawks Shane style. Uh, but who Will anyone listening to this even get that reference? Inked up if, Shane. 
I hope so, because if you listen to this podcast, hopefully you follow us on Twitter. Okay, it's John Vogel. His Twitter handle is at Draft Vogel. So I want everyone to go tweet at him and ask him how he knows, how he knows that Julio is going to be traded. But what he said is that the Patriots already have a done deal. Uh, source, he says. Source, Julio Jones to the New England Patriots. That's all I know. If I had to guess on compensation, Pat's probably give up a 2022 second and maybe a sixth or seventh. I mean, this guy's just, in my opinion, I just want to dispel this as being legit in case anyone else out there saw it. In my opinion, this guy is taking a shot. And if the Patriots are, who have been a reported interested team and Bill Belichick has had internal conversations, trust me, every team is having internal conversations. This is Julio Jones we're talking about. So that's not even news, but if the Patriots end up trading for Julio, this guy can be like, see, I called it. I didn't know what the compensation was, but I knew they were going to be trading for him. And if they don't, then he can delete the tweet or he can say I had a bad source or whatever. It's like, it's just stupid. But yeah, so the bottom line is we don't know anything right now about where Julio could be going. Apparently, David Beauclair was on the 440 yesterday, Thursday, and he said, you know, he was asked if Julio Jones will end up as a Titan. And he said his gut feeling is yes. He obviously doesn't know anything, but... I said this last week. I already said it on today's show. The whole thing reminds me of Clowney. We had sources saying Clowney was definitely signing with the Saints. We had sources last year saying Clowney was going to sign in June with the Titans, with the Browns, with, with all kinds of teams. We had people saying, my gut feeling is that Clowney ends up a Titan. I really think my gut feeling also is that Julio ends up a Titan. And like, yes, it's that's what I want to happen. But I also feel like that could happen. I, I think it's going to happen. I don't know, man. Julio's coming to Tennessee. Let's do it. It, it could. Uh, I'm a pessimist, so I'm going to say no. Um, but I, I think it's possible for sure. I think they, they should be sniffing around, and they should be willing to do it. But I'm going to say it's not going to happen. Uh, but either way, I hope we find out soon, because I do think it gets done in the next couple of days. Well, I'll say this. On next week's podcast, I will be able to gloat to you, because it'll be June, what's next Friday? The 4th? Yes. Next Friday is June 4th. So if he's not traded by June 4th, he's probably not going to be traded for a little while, right? Like it's either June 2nd or like later, right? So most likely, yeah. At, at the very least, we will be talking about this again on next week's show because it's either going to be the deadline passed and he didn't get traded or Julio's been traded. Like to who? We don't know yet, obviously, but we're definitely talking about it again next week. I'm excited about it. I hope it does not go on until August or September, like Clowney did. Because if it does, and I have to hear you talk about it every week, I'm going to quit this show. And you guys all know how badly I wanted Clowney on the Titans. Obviously, it didn't work out. The amount that I want Julio Jones on the Titans, like, makes the amount that I wanted Clowney on the Titans <laughs> look minuscule by comparison, okay? Julio Puts Jones is one of my all-time... Puts it to shame. One of my all-time favorite NFL players. Like, I have a Julio Jones jersey hanging in my closet, a Falcons one, okay? Like... This guy on the Titans, whoo, man, I would just be, I don't even know. I can't, I can't even tell you. Let's not get our hopes up though, because there are 32 teams that would, or I guess only 31 teams that would all benefit from adding Julio to the roster. So we'll talk more about it next week. But now let's get to our interview. We had Alex Molden on the show, privileged to be able to talk to Elijah Molden's father, Titans third round draft pick, defensive back out of Washington. His dad played football at Oregon. He played in the NFL for a few different clubs. So we're going to get his thoughts on Elijah Molden. I think let's just turn it over right now. You got the first question. Tee it up. Uh, you know, first thing, Alex, how do you think growing up around the game 
sort of helped mold the man and the player that Elijah is today? Man, I think the biggest thing was, you know, he had a passion for it at an early age. And the reason he had a passion for I mean, I can say he had a passion for it because he asked questions like all the time. Because, you know, when you're watching football, as long as I did, from a bird's eye view, where you get to see all 22 guys on the field, you know, when I started watching it like everybody else when I retired, when I started watching football like everybody else, I was like, this is terrible. I don't like this game. I don't like this type of, you know, I want to see everybody. And so, you know, he would ask me questions and I would stop and pause and point out like, man, what the quarterback is looking for or what's going to happen in this route. What are you thinking about this? Um, so I think, man, his passion for the game and, you know, he's a he's a competitor. Like he hates to lose. And, uh, you know, he has a, an older brother and, you know, they used to, you know, we used to play in the backyard and he would, oh man, he hated to lose playing video games. You know, a funny story. He played video games. One of my, one of my, my good buddies who I played with at Oregon and he beat him. And Elijah was maybe eight, nine years old, man. He went, he ran, locked himself in his room, went underneath his bed, <laughs> didn't want to come out. Because, he, you know, he's so competitive. He's so competitive. You know, it, it's funny you say that because, um, you know, outside of covering the Titans, I do an NFL draft interview series where I, inter I interview players that are that are in the draft. And, and this year I did about 150 guys and Elijah was part of that. So I connected with him before Tennessee drafted him. And, uh, and I'm not just saying it because you're on the show now. I've said it on podcasts. I've been on. I've said it on radio shows. He impressed the hell out of me with his football knowledge. You know, when you're interviewing as many guys as, as I get to, sometimes it can be tough to stand out. You know, truth be told, a lot of these guys start to sound the same to me. But his yeah. X's and O's, his football knowledge, I mean, it blew me away. I, I talked about that interview for weeks later. And that's not oh. something I often do. But just, just the way that he talked about the game, I could tell that if I had a chance to get him on a whiteboard or, you know, his recognition skills, I knew he was going to do well throughout the interview process with these teams. I knew they would get him on, on zoom, put him on the whiteboard and he was going to blow teams away. I'm curious how early you saw that in him. Man, I, I want to say probably when he was in the eighth grade and he, you know, he played running back and he played, he played DB and, you know, running back every time he touched the ball, he was scoring. And I, you know, I told him, I said, like, when you get into high school, it's going to be different. Okay. High school, you know, you can play a little running back, but understand this, your major is going to be in defensive back as a corner. I said, because at the next level where there's in college, there are a dime a dozen. So you're special, but you know, just believe man, you're going to be a phenomenal corner. Because I'm, if you want it, I'm going to give you the playbook, all right? It's just like any any father who, you know, who, um, you know, was in the, the business of, you know, being a mechanic, right, for a lot of years. He, and if his son wants it, yeah, I know how to fix a faucet. I know how to fix the plumbing, all right? So, but I, I remember he wanted to know basic cover two, right, cover two. 
it was basically we ran it a little bit differently. So he was a freshman who was starting on varsity and I, and I coached DBs. And so he just couldn't understand this cover two for some reason. And it took us, man, maybe like 45 minutes to an hour for him to understand. He was so frustrated, almost in tears. And like, it was like rocket science. And so I had to explain it to him over and over from different angles because he asked a lot of questions and he wants to see it, not just from a corner position, not even from a safety, but how does that cover to affect everybody on the defense and what are the strengths and the weaknesses of it? But he asked those questions. And so I, I think just, you know, he always, he, he wants to know. He doesn't want anything unknown. It, may, it doesn't make him feel comfortable. So he asks a lot of questions. And one thing that jumped out at me, it's funny you say that. When I spoke with him, uh, you know, first of all, playing at Washington, you know, under coach Jimmy Lake, who I think is one of the brightest defensive minds in all of college football. I think that did a lot for him playing the nickel position there, uh, as I'm sure, as you know, such an important position in that defense, right? It's the play caller of that defense. And he really grew into that role. And one thing he said to me that I thought was very interesting is he, he, he said, he goes, I look back now, I go back and watch my junior tape and I cringe. I cringe watching my junior tape, how much I've, I've grown since then. I thought that was such an interesting thing for him to say, because when you watch it, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but but him being his own toughest critic and he's always known how much room he had to grow and how much more he had to learn. Absolutely. And it's like, man, when you look at the film and then even look at the numbers, like the stats and, you know, the way stats are now compared to when I played is ridiculous. They can, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. But for him, that lets you know that he's not satisfied. And I, honestly, I don't think he would ever be satisfied with this game. You know, he wants to he wants to, he practices to be perfect and he practices to be elite. And um, the thing about it, he's been like that since he was knee high to a grasshopper. This dude, I mean, he 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 just it starts with passion. I think anything in life, not just football and being a good DB, but it has to start with passion. And it's something that can't be forced upon you, right? Hey, son, you're going to play DB. You got, no, I sat back with all of our kids. We have eight. He's one, he's number two of eight. But, you know, we never force things on our children. We just, if they have a passion for it, I don't care if it's dance, if it's mathematics, if it's, you know, Spanish. Man, we're going to try to put them in the best situation possible for them to learn. So I think, you know, it was just a perfect fit. You know, his passion, you know, my knowledge and passion for it and then just sharing. And on that note, I'm curious what you think, what you would consider the best piece of advice you've ever given him. Is it to play defensive back instead of instead of offense or some, something else? What do you think? Oh, man, that's a good, good question, man. I think. um I think the best piece of advice probably was like, um, don't wait for the lights to come on to start to prepare like you're going to play a game. Don't wait. It's too late. There's too many people who are like that. I don't care you know, if it's in sports or in life. They wait for the light to be you know, flashed on them. And then all of a sudden they got to, change characters or they got to flip this switch. I don't believe in that. 
I believe like, you know, when you start to practice and I know how important practice is just from, you know, playing sports, but when you practice, when you practice working on like the type of person that you want to be and you do it over and over and over again till now, it's just, it's who you are. He wanted to be a great person, number one. And so he practiced doing that and we reward that as parents, me and my wife. But he practiced that over and over again at a young age. Well, well, in sports, you want to be really good. You got to practice these things over and over again. So that repetition, your brain doesn't know if you're in game mode or if you're in practice mode. And I think, you know, the really good coaches, they try to make practice really, really hard. They try to make it as difficult as possible because when the game comes on the lights, the lights get turned on, you know, it's, it just showcases who you are. You don't have to flip the switch or, you know, turn into Superman. You've been practicing like Superman for years. So just have fun. Yeah. I think that's great advice. Yeah. Thanks. That's a great answer. And Something else that's that's really interesting about this whole situation. So the Titans used their last pick of the draft on Brady Breeze. And you, I believe, actually played at Oregon with his uncle, Chad Coda. Then you played again with him in the NFL. I'm curious, number one, what that's like to, to go from having a college teammate and then playing with the NFL. And also what it's like for you to see Elijah now be teammates with Brady in Tennessee, like the whole full circle-ness is crazy. Oh, man. It, it's, it, it really is. You know, I get kind of, you know, emotional and whatnot, but to be able to, to play a game with somebody like Chad Coda, who is one of the best people and best leaders that I've ever had the, the privilege of knowing and to spend four years with him at Oregon, and then I spent, I only had a year with them in the pros and, um, you know, the communication, like being in sync with, you know, with, with each other and our thoughts, it was like, man, playing with my twin brother, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was really cool. Um, and then now to see, uh, you know, my son and Brady, which I remember when they, when they first met each other, they was wrestling around, you know, when it was like <laughs> three three, four years old, something like that. I can't remember, wow. but they were, they were pretty young and they were uber competitive even back then. So it's, it, it's pretty cool to see them together and to see, you know, their relationship, you know, kind of go to the next level. Uh, Alex, this has been terrific, man. That's going to do it for our questions. We, we really appreciate you taking time for us today. You got it. Hey, anytime. Thanks for having me. Um, you know, enjoyed the conversation and um, you guys keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, we're looking forward to having Elijah on the Titans, that's for sure. Oh, sweet, man. He, yeah. he definitely wanted to be there, man. I'm, I'm so happy for him. All right. Thanks again to Alex Molden for joining us. Hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. That'll do it for this week's podcast. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Well, that is all. I hope you guys enjoyed And we'll be back next week to talk more Julio Jones. That's right, because that's the only guaranteed storyline we have for next week. Any more news and notes we will obviously cover, but the big deal, I know everyone's timeline is is just filled with Julio Jones stuff right now. And honestly, it's great. It's better than it just being a boring offseason where we're just overreacting to Ryan Tannehill not being at OTAs, right? At least we have something else to talk about. All right, that'll wrap up the show. Make sure you're following Justin on Twitter at Justin M underscore NFL. 
Make sure you're following me at Titans Film Room. The show handle is at MCA Broadway. We would really, really, really appreciate it if you guys could just go to Apple Podcasts, go to Spotify, go to Stitcher, go to Google Play, wherever you're listening to this show, and just scroll to the bottom of the show page where the ratings are, tap the five star, write a little comment like, oh man, Justin and Justin, they're so cool. I love listening to this show. Or something that doesn't sound weird. Whatever you want to say, we really appreciate it. It helps us grow the show, find new listeners, which we love to expand. Helps us get awesome guests like Alex Molden in the future. So thanks a lot to everyone who has been listening since we started and still listening right now. That's going to do it. We will be back next week. Until then, you guys stay safe out there, get vaccinated, and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.